Hey, welcome to the Hopecast. This week we are in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29, talking about uh, Jesus' reappearing to his disciples uh, after his resurrection, and talking about our doubts and our scars and how uh, they aren't too big for Jesus. They don't scare him. Um, they don't make him upset or angry with us. And uh, we can bring them to him and we can trust him with them. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about uh, anything you, you hear on our podcast, feel free to reach out to us. You can find us on social media uh, at Hope Church RC on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Our website is hopechurchrc.org. And our email address is hopechurchrc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Peace. morning it's good to see everybody this morning um and uh Shannon's almost gonna say that you you might have almost picked the wrong one to 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 share because uh that's uh that's the struggle that we have in our house <laughs> with that one um but thank you Shannon for that uh we're gonna be in John chapter 20 this morning looking at verses 19 through 29 um and we'll talk a little bit about doubts this morning. Do you ever have doubts about anything? Is there something that maybe uh, you doubt? Like, I'm talking about maybe like a big thing. Like, maybe you don't believe that something actually happened that society says historically happened, or you're not sure that it happens in the right way. Like, I'll give you an example. Maybe this will, this will help you out. Um, and this is probably just true, but it's something I, I think about probably way more often than I should. Um, I doubt that store brand items are different than the name brand items, right? Like Walmart, Ingalls, Food Lion, they all have their own store brands, right? There's no way that they have their own milk production facilities, they have their own battery factories, their own cereal companies, right? It has to be that that these name brand companies are just producing the same product and putting a different label on it, right? Anybody else? So doubt confirmed then, like store brand, cheaper, maybe slightly less if it's the bread is thinner. Um, but, you know, some people believe that, like, the moon landing was faked or that the earth is flat. I actually saw a, a, <laughs> saw a video, and if, I mean, if you're a flat earther, that, we can talk about it later. Um, we'll pray for you. But anyways, I saw a video where like there were these flat earth, flat earth conspiracists that were like going to prove that the earth was flat. And they said, see, if we shine this light on this target way in the distance and we measure it, we'll be able to see that, that the light is exactly the same distance, right? Because if the earth had a curve to it, then the light on the other end would be lower, obviously, right? But because the earth is flat, when we do this experiment, you're going to see that the light is exactly flat. And when they did it, the light on the other end was lower, and so they had to redo it because they said, oh, well, something obviously messed up. Like they, they, Even though they had the proof that the earth was not flat, um, they, they just didn't believe it, right? But stuff like that is, is, it doesn't really hurt anybody. You know, it's not that big of a deal. But then there are doubts that are maybe a little bit less innocent, that could be dangerous or harmful, uh, doubts about 9-11, uh, doubts about the Holocaust, whether it even happened, uh, which if the conspiracies, if, if you believe them uh, and, and you carry them 
far enough, they can lead to violent thoughts or actions towards certain groups of people, right? And we all have doubts, and I think it's healthy in life to question what you see or what you think you see. Um, I saw a picture the other day of, an, of a famous Abraham Lincoln quote where he reminds us that you cannot believe everything you read on the Internet, right? It was his quote, his picture was there. And, and so we have to remember that we can't see. That was a joke, by the way. If you didn't quite pick up on that, Abraham Lincoln died several, uh, uh, like 150 years before the Internet was a thing. But anyways, our passage today in John chapter 20, uh, we see the account of one of the most famous doubters in the Bible, the disciple Thomas. But hopefully today we aren't just left with the image of a man who doubted that Jesus was alive but an honest man that loved Jesus and he cared deeply and he let Jesus change his life in spite of his doubts. So in John chapter 20, we're starting in verse 19 and we'll read through verse 29. Okay, you ready, Destiny? All right. So when it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, called the twin, One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came, so the other disciples were telling him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the marks of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. And a week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. And even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. And Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Father, thank you so much for your word, for the truth that it contains. Help us to pick up on uh, what you have to say to us this morning to examine our own hearts in light of it and uh, to make any changes as we need to with, with your help. Since you stand, we pray. Amen. So last week we looked at the account of the first Easter morning where the women were going to the tomb early in the morning. They met an angel. There was an earthquake. They found an empty tomb. And Jesus met the women there in the dark telling them, go tell my brothers that I have risen. Truly, Last week, Easter is the cornerstone, the pinnacle of our faith, right? And because of the empty tomb, we have a reason to celebrate. And if you were on social media last week, you probably saw lots of pictures of family, uh, families that took their pictures at church. Uh, they had, you know, maybe like a photo opportunity around some flowers or, or like a bench in front of a nice backdrop and stuff. It was, it was a big time of celebration for a lot of people. But now we're at the point, a week later, uh, in a sense, where the rubber meets the road, right? And we have to ask ourselves, 
So what? What does Jesus' resurrection mean to us? Why does it matter? And what do we do about it? And, and we're in great company because this question is one that many have had throughout the centuries, right? So what? What now? Even Jesus' first disciples. And we see in, in verse 19 that that first night of his resurrection, Jesus had been, had, had rose from the dead that morning. That very night, they were in hiding, okay? Because they feared the Jews, right? They were afraid that they too were going to be killed because of their involvement with Jesus, right? Jesus had become an enemy of the empire. They crucified him. He had made himself an enemy to the local religious leaders. He was killed, and the disciples were afraid that they would be next. But then Jesus comes in, and just like he always does, he brings peace. He speaks peace to them. And you have to, and if I put myself into the room, right, if we were in the room where it happened, we have to be thinking, Jesus, how in the world can you be talking about peace right now? You were dead, and now you're alive, and, and our lives may be in danger because of that. I don't know, Jesus, if you were there, but there was an earthquake, there was an angel, there was all these things that went on, and you're in here talking about peace, and we're afraid. But Jesus always speaks peace into the situation. And he showed them his scars and his wound and the wound in his side, and they believed. They were convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead, and they rejoiced. Which, is, which was a fulfillment from chapter 16 in the book of John, where what is called the farewell discourse, Jesus tells them, I'm going to be crucified, and you will be like super sad for a few days, but then you will rejoice again. Jesus keeps his promise, even if, even though, or even if, the scars remain, right? Because just because Jesus had been, had risen from the dead, didn't mean that he didn't have scars. He didn't still have the wound in his side. Scars are a remnant of a wound that has healed. They tell a story. I have a scar on my left hand. It's a tiny thing, like half an inch long or maybe less. We were, we had just brought some property. Uh, we were like married, had been married, what, two or three years. And we thought, oh, it's kind of a grown up piece of property. I went to Ace Hardware and I bought like a, one of those little brush saws, what they call them, a bow saw or whatever. And we had like some little clippers and stuff. And me and Mary went out there and we attacked it full force for about 30 minutes. And they realized, yeah, this is not, not going to happen. But anyways, I was trying to cut some brush and the saw slipped and it, and it just hit me on the back of the hand. And every time I see that scar, I kind of laugh and kind of think about the futility that we thought we were going to start cleaning up some land with a couple of hand tools. It didn't work. Um, it's nothing big and it wasn't life threatening, but, but like every time I look at it, it makes me smile because I remember that day and I remember the memories around that time in our marriage. You have scars that tell stories of times when you were hurt or injured, whether by accident or whether you went through like a surgery of some kind. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, right? Was my accidental scar, was it really an accident or did someone really mean to hurt me? Um, was the surgery that I went through the right choice for me at the time. We all have doubts about those sorts of things. 
when someone did hurt me and that made this scar and I told them that they hurt me, did they apologize? Was it sincere? Or did they say, well, I'm sorry you feel that way? And we can't control others' attitudes about our hurts. <coughs> and we shouldn't worry about it. <clears throat> Although that's much easier said than done. But when we look at those scars, hopefully we can see healing that has taken place or is taking place. And that's the other story that scars tell. It's not just of the wound at the moment it happened, but how the wound is now, whether healed or in the process of healing. Our scars, both physical and emotional, spiritual maybe, remind us of how far we have come or they give us a hope for future healing. And even though Jesus had been resurrected from the dead, He had scars too because the people that He came to save mortally wounded Him. They beat Him and bruised Him, whipped Him mercilessly, and He had the scars to show for it. His scars told the story of His great sacrifice for us. His credentials, they backed up His statement that He is the resurrection and the life, and that those who believe in Him would live and never die. They were the proof that He was the Son of God. And they caused the disciples to rejoice. And so today, we can rejoice. We can have faith in this Jesus who is scarred and speaks of peace. And as we rejoice, we also take on the charge that Jesus gave to His disciples to be sent out into the world proclaiming the forgiveness of sins. And in verse 23, Jesus tells His disciples that they have this authority to forgive or to retain sins. And there's some debate around this. Some say that it means that we have the power to forgive or not forgive someone's sins in an eternal sense. And some say uh, that it's just it's more symbolic, right? We have the power whether or not to tell someone that forgiveness is available or not to them. And I believe it's more like that, right? I don't think that I have the power to say, well, Cameron, you hurt me. God will not forgive you because I don't forgive you, right? No, Jesus speaks of forgiving our enemies and loving those who hurt us and persecute us way, way more. For us, it means that we have the great privilege to tell others that forgiveness is available for their sins, that Jesus is sending us into our families, our work, our communities to model and proclaim his love for others. He's sending us to tell the story of His scars. He's sending us to let our lives bear witness to His resurrection. And He's not left us alone to do it, thankfully. He gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us along the way. To give us courage and the words to speak, to stand up for those who are bearing the weight of injustice, to align ourselves with those who are being hurt to align ourselves closely enough to be hit by the rocks that are being thrown at them. And then in verses 24 and 25, we learn that one of the disciples was missing, one of those who has a bad rap even to this day, he was Thomas, called the twin. I don't know if he was a twin or maybe he just looked like somebody and so they called him the twin because you know, they were walking along and maybe one of the disciples was like, hey Thomas, you know that guy when we passed through Jerusalem and he's like, has that house that's over kind of near the temple and he's always out and is standing in his door 
and, and like he has just like this weird look about him. Yeah, you kind of look like him, right? If you've ever been in, in a group of guy friends, you have nicknames for each other, right? And they're, they're not always super kind. They're not always super nice. Uh, I, I saw a, a video where guys were talking about that, and um, one friend group had a guy named Keith, and they called him Keth because he was missing an, missing an eye. Like he, he, one of his eyes was literally missing. And so all of his friends called him Keth. Anyways, I think that's funny. And we don't know if Thomas had an actual other twin sibling or whether they were just making fun of him because he looked like another guy. And if we look at the, if we look at the, the accounts of Thomas, what, what we see about him, uh, I think he was a born skeptic. He was kind of a pessimist, right? In chapter 11, uh, he was, resigned to his fate. Jesus wanted to travel to Jerusalem in chapter 11. The disciples reminded him, hey, Jesus, there are people in Jerusalem who want to kill you. And Thomas said, well, let's just go and die with him. Let's just get it over with, right? And in chapter 14, Jesus talks about going to prepare a place for them, for the disciples. And Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. Why are you telling us this? Why don't you just tell us plainly? And here in verse 20, he says, I can't believe it. I can't believe what I have heard, what you have told me, that Jesus is alive until I see for myself. And honestly, I kind of, I kind of resonate with this Eeyore outlook sometimes. This, this kind of like, this pessimistic, skeptical, things are way too good to be true. Maybe it's because I grew up, uh, in, in the 90s and the early 2000s when people, we're getting scammed through email by people claiming to be Nigerian princes. And they just, and they had access to all this money. And all they needed was a cash investment of like $5,000 to unlock this access. And then this Nigerian prince would share it with them. People have been, have been duped out of millions of dollars that way. Even now today, there are call centers in foreign lands who prey on uh, the unsuspecting, the old, older, older generation, especially, and and they they dupe them out of all kinds of money through these scams. And I grew up with that, so maybe that's why I resonate with Thomas a little bit. When he asks, and and I think to myself, what's all this mean? God, why is all of this happening? You're supposed to be loving all-knowing, all-powerful. Why are you choosing to do things in this way? It doesn't make sense to me. If you want me to believe, I need to see the proof. And that's what Thomas was saying here. And for a week, the disciples are living the good life. They know that Jesus had been raised from the dead they had seen the scars. The same thing that Thomas was asking to see, they had seen it already. He had showed them his scars. And they were telling Thomas about it probably over and over. You ever had something exciting happen in your life? And for a while, that's all you feel like you can talk about. Or that's just like the topic of conversation for like a lot of time. Like you just seem to kind of keep coming back to it. The disciples had to have been doing that, right? And Thomas was probably like, Guys, I wish you'd just quit talking about this. It's really bumming me out. I haven't seen Jesus yet. I want, to, I want to have the same experience that you had. And Jesus had not shown him 
his scars yet. He had, Thomas had not seen them. Maybe Thomas was wondering, have I done something? Did, did I say something? Like I know Jesus that sometimes I had doubts and, and, and I just wasn't sure because what you were saying seemed too good to be true. Did, did, did that disqualify me from being your friend, from being one of your followers? I want you to, to breathe your life into me just like you did for my friends. I want you to speak peace to me. I just want you to be present with me like you were with my friends. And as the week wore on, I'm sure that his doubts maybe turned to worry, maybe even anger. Definitely left him with some questions. And I think that's not a bad thing because Jesus is okay with our doubts, with our questions. He got upset with his disciples a few times because of their doubts, but they had literally seen him, his miracles firsthand. So that's more than understandable. Guys, I just stopped a storm. Don't you believe that I can do this? Did you see at that wedding where I literally turned water into wine? I can heal this person, but you don't believe me, right? They had seen his, his acts firsthand. So it was a little more understandable that he got upset with them when they did doubt. <clears throat> and finally, a week later, Jesus <clears throat> finally reappeared to his disciples and Thomas got to see him. He got to place his hands in the scars. He got to be present with Jesus to receive his peace. And in verse 28, we see that Thomas believed. Thomas proclaims Jesus as Lord and God. He finally had faith. He finally believes, truly believes. And as his questions are answered and his doubts fade away in the presence of Jesus' scars, he is changed. And if you read about the life of Thomas, you will learn that he goes out into the country of India over 3,000 miles journey and tells many people about the gospel starting churches and communities that still bear his name today. There are a group of Christians in India that call themselves the St. Thomas Christians. Church history says that Thomas was killed for his faith in A.D. 72. It's not clear exactly how or by whom, but we can look at this legacy and I have hope for myself because my doubts are not too big for Jesus. My questions are not too big, are not too small, they're not too big that He's not concerned about them. He does care. They're not scary for Him. He longs to breathe life into us too. And we can lean on Him as He calls us to bear witness to those around us even though you have scars, even though you have fears, there's nothing too big that He cannot handle. And we can have hope when we're envious of those who seem to have had a mountaintop experience where Jesus appeared to them. When people seem to live blessed lives and have the things that we have been praying for. And while we're waiting for our wounds to heal, for our scars to develop, to help us to tell our story, we can rest in Jesus' presence. We can rest in His peace. Even when we can't see Him, 
when we've been waiting a week and others have their blessings around us, they have seen Jesus in person. They've seen Him work. And we're still waiting. We can rest in Him because He's there. He's right in the middle of our hurt. He's asking us to trust Him, to rest in Him. And He's comforting us because our questions, our doubts are not too heavy for Him. And today He's inviting you to rest in Him, to bring Him your doubts, to bring Him your questions. And in my experience, He doesn't answer them quickly. He doesn't answer them easily. And we may have scars and wounds that you need healed from and you can bring those to Him. But He is loving and He cares. He will sit with you while you are waiting on the answers. Jesus is not upset. He's not angry with your doubts or your scars. He wants to help. He's asking you to let Him help. And you can come to Him today and you can find healing. You can find support. You can find someone in Jesus just to be present with you while you're sad or while you're hurt. He's all of that and, and way, way more. Maybe today you need to profess a faith in Him for the first time or for the 40th time or for the 4,000th time proclaiming Him Lord and God just like Thomas. And now as we're in the week of this now what, this so what, after Easter, He wants to meet us here and show us the way to go. He's calling us to bring Him, bring him our doubts this morning. Will you do that? Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your love, for Jesus' scars, for Thomas' doubts that comfort us in a way because we know that we have them too. Help us this morning to uh, to bring them to You throughout this week. Our questions, our concerns. You love us and You care about us deeply. Thank You so much for everything You've done and for everything You're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.